Where were you the day America lost its innocence? This coming Tuesday marks yet another anniversary of the September 11th attacks on America. Many of us lost friends, colleagues, and loved ones that day. Others still suffer enduring scars, both physical and mental, which are constant reminders of the act of cowardice that altered our nation's fiber, stripped us of so many of our freedoms, and forever changed our perceptions of the American way of life. Many of you listening were way too young to remember what happened that day, and far too many who vowed they would never forget have done just that. Aside from those who witnessed the events firsthand, and the families of those whose loved ones were killed and maimed that day, it seems our collective memories, like bumper-sticker platitudes, have all but faded away. My production team and I have been digging through what's left of the archives of that day to bring you a, well, let's just say, not-so-subtle reminder. It's a short audio documentary we're calling Innocence Lost. I encourage you to share it with your friends and with your children and grandchildren in the years to come. Let it serve as a record of truth of the events of that day, which have all been but eroded in our current era of censorship and political correctness. But I warn you, this piece is raw, real, filled with emotion, and completely uncensored. Like much of life, it's not for the faint of heart. So listener discretion is advised. And now, Gun for Hire Radio, in conjunction with Counterthink Media, presents Innocence Lost. Miles and miles of sunshine today, nice as it can be across the Northeast. Uh, rough seas still uh, from, uh, uh, from the chop from that hurricane, but other than that, it's kind of quiet around the country. We like quiet. It's quiet. It's too quiet. Around 8.45 a.m., the people along the west side of Manhattan heard a piercing whine of a jumbo jet making its way down the Hudson River. Those who witnessed the scene instinctively realized everything about it was wrong. Heading down an airway normally reserved for northbound VFR traffic, it was much too big, traveling much too fast, and much too low. Nearly 500 miles per hour, at an altitude of just 900 feet, more than twice the speed permitted for an aircraft flying that low. It took less than 90 seconds for American Flight 11 to travel the entire length of the island of Manhattan. A little after 8.46 a.m., the huge aircraft weighing 283,600 pounds traveling at 465 miles per hour, carrying approximately 10,000 gallons of fuel, flashed across the remaining 20 blocks from Canal Street to the World Trade Center. And tore through the massive North Tower between the 93rd and 98th floors, killing all on board and wreaking incomprehensible carnage across the six full floors of the building. I heard the bang. I thought it was thunder. So he goes, look outside. I looked outside. I said, holy, it looks like a plane hit it or something. Battalion Chief Pfeiffer made the first official report. We have a number of floors on fire. It looks like 
looked like the plane was aiming towards the building. Transmit a third alarm. We'll have the staging area at Vesey and West Street. As we swung around in front of World Train, my mind tells me, wow, this is, this is bad. The impact severs 47 of the building's critical perimeter support columns and damages another two. Rivers of burning jet fuel pour out of the severed wings down the elevator shafts to the floor below, incinerating anything and anyone caught in its path. Smoke, fire, and wreckage cutting off all escape routes for those in or above the impact zone. Although all the levels were designed to be smoke and fire resistant, blindingly thick plumes of acrid smoke ripped their way through the remaining upper floors in minutes, making it almost impossible for those trapped inside to see or breathe. Witnesses on the upper floor of the South Tower were stunned to see a wall of flames burst through the windows of the North Tower, less than 130 feet away, followed by a shower of disintegrating desks, files, computers, airplane parts, and burning bodies. If you were in the floors below, you saw the ceilings cave in. You saw the glint of the airplane as it impacted the building and you felt the shock waves ripple through the building as it physically moved off axis, swaying over 20 feet in each direction. Close to the impact zone, there were people who lived for long, horrific minutes as they sought refuge from the smoke and flames and scorching heat. Many, in the last few moments of their lives, had the presence of mind to phone their loved ones or made desperate calls for help that would never come. Good morning, Mother God. Thank you, Good morning. Have a good day. Hi, what's your name again, please? Oh my God, I'm on the 83rd floor. I'm on the 83rd floor. I'm on the 86th floor. 8695. 
Hold on one second, please. I'm going to die, aren't I? No, 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 no. Say you're going to die. Live, live, live. Say your prayers. And we're not going to die. We're going to think positive because you got to help each other get off the floor. I'm going to die. No. Stay calm, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. Oh, God. You're doing a good job, ma'am. You're doing no. a good job. You're it's so calm. hot. I'm burning up. Oh, my God. By 8.55, an army of firemen, police, emergency service personnel, and government officials, including the mayor himself, were rushing to the scene in Lower Manhattan. They were followed by another army, of almost equal size, of television news crews, cameramen, photographers, and reporters, as the apparatus of the largest media operation in the world focused their attention on the events unfolding in a small, 16-acre plot of ground in the largest city in America. At 9.02 a.m., little more than 15 minutes after the initial attack, while millions of people in the New York metropolitan region and tens of millions of television viewers across the world were staring intently at the smoldering icon of the New York skyline. A dark shape appeared over the skyline of New Jersey and came hurtling across the Statue of Liberty in the Upper Bay. Freelance cameraman Steve Vigilante captured those astounding next few moments on tape. Holy shit, Martin. Oh! That's the other building. That's terrorist. Other building? That's terrorist, bro. That's fucking terrorist. Holy shit. According to Seismic Records, at precisely 9.02.54, as millions watched, United 175 slammed into the South Tower, cutting a swath through floors 77 to 85 of the 110-story building instantly killing all on board, and over a hundred more inside as it tore its way through. By then, the first teams of firefighters and emergency workers had already arrived at the base of the North Tower, where they were greeted by a scene of horror and devastation that defied the imagination. On the Austin Tobin Plaza, there were burning corpses everywhere the mangled bodies of men and women that had already fallen or jumped from the upper floors of the building, and the charred remains of the passengers of Flight 11, some still belted in their seats. 1,000 feet above, in the upper reaches of the towers themselves, there was a clearly marked delineation between life and death. In the North Tower, the plane struck in the center, and because the burning jet fuel went immediately down the shafts, it created a more intense and fiercely smoky fire. Those trapped on the floors above were cut off from any hope of escape. And because they had nowhere to go, 
People broke out windows, desperate to get air. People were stacked four and five high, hanging out of the windows, just trying to breathe. Others, having already climbed out of the windows, clung to each other and to the metal on the outside of the building. And then, one by one, to the absolute horror of those looking on, they began to fall and jump to their deaths. About 15 minutes ago, bodies started dropping from the top floors of the uh, tower closest to the highway, and uh, it was it was absolutely terrible. Obviously, they had two choices: to be burned into in flames or to uh, leap and end it all. By 9:30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, ordinary life in New York City had all but ceased as millions of New Yorkers and billions more around the world looked on in shock and disbelief. But the horrors of that day were nowhere close to being over. The World Trade Center, tower number one, is on fire. The whole outside of the building was just in every available ambulance. The World Trade Center, now. And a person comes running into the office I say an explosion, explosion, explosion. His skin was pulled all from his armpits all the way to the top of the fingertips and pieces missing off his face. He says he's at the 105th floor at One World Trade Center. I am on the 100th floor of the World Trade Center with 30 people, northeast corner. Okay, you're, let me get to, you at 100th floor? 100th floor, northeast, 30 people in the corner. The smoke. Message number 51 concludes 0800 hours, 56 minutes and 12 seconds. American 11, climbing, take a level 350. American 11, Boston. Earth 7, Mike Lima, how do you hear? Mike Lima, has your line clear? American 11, Boston. Okay, my name is Betty Ong. I'm number three on flight 11. Okay. Um, the cockpit's not answering. Somebody's stabbed in business class. And um, I think there's mace that we can't breathe. I, I don't know. I think we're getting hijacked. American 11, if you hear Boston Center, I den, please, or acknowledge. American 11, Boston. American 11, if you hear Boston Center, I den. Just weapon, Sergeant Powell. All right, Boston Center, TMU, we have a problem here. We have a hijacked aircraft headed towards New York, and we need you guys to, we need someone to scramble some F-16s or something up there to help us out. Is this, is this real world or exercise? No, this is not an exercise manifest. Okay, I think we need to scramble Langley right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the fighters from Otis and try to chase this guy down if I can find him. Foxy, scramble Langley, head towards the Washington area. Hey, this is Dulles Approach Control. We're tracking a fast-moving primary heading towards the White House. The White House has been advised. All right, I'll tell them. Okay, I'll keep you advised. Thank you very much. Hey, Tower, did you see that? Hello? Crystal City, just north of Crystal City. Uh, just to the north of your tower. Just please. Do you hear me? Do that. Do you hear me? Yeah, stop all departures. Okay. 
Yeah, it went in the Pentagon. Looks like it went in the Pentagon. The report we have is of a fire and smoke at the Pentagon. United 93, wind 3307, runway 4 left, clip for takeoff. For takeoff, 4 left, United 93. United 93, checking in 350. United 93, 350, right? United 93, that traffic view is 1 o'clock, 12 miles eastbound, 370. Negative contact, we're looking, United 93. Somebody call, Cleveland. United 93, verify 350. United 93, verify your incredible uh, 350. United 93, Cleveland. United 93, Cleveland. United 93, if you're Cleveland Center, I'd ask, please. Alpha, Flynn. Um, I only have a minute. I'm on United 93, and it's been hijacked uh, by terrorists who say they have a bomb. Apparently, they uh, have flown a couple of planes into the World Trade Center already, and it looks like they're going to take this one down as well. Mostly, I just wanted to say I love you, and I'm going to miss you. <laughs> United we have in. Uh, this is from Somerset County, Pennsylvania. This is where the United Airlines Flight 93, this was a Boeing 757 bound from Newark, New Jersey to San Francisco. It crashed in Somerset County, Pennsylvania near the town of Shanksville. 
south of Pittsburgh. We are told about 80 miles outside of Pittsburgh. Noise coming from it, but the engines were running. Um, I then saw the plane coming down at almost a 90 degree angle, maybe an 80 degree angle. And the next thing I saw was a big fireball and smoke. When it come down over top of me, I seen it go nosedive straight into the ground down here. We heard this noise in the sky. My friend and I looked up and uh, said, what's that? And uh, just going over, basically over our uh, horizon of the hill was this plane. It was completely upside down is what it was. Uh, the tail fin was down and it was going in at a sharp ascent, probably more than a 45 degree angle, closer to a 90 degree angle. Next thing was over the horizon, there was a big huge fireball. But well, I'd say at least four or five hundred feet in the air, fireball. The debris here is spread over a three to four mile radius, which has now been completely sealed off and is being treated, according to the FBI, as a crime scene. This is one of those cases where the pictures really do tell the story that sort of the most horrifying aspect of this particular crash scene is how little debris is visible. There is a large crater in the ground. That's really all you see is a large crater in the ground and, and just tiny, tiny bits of debris. There has been at least one report that the uh, investigators out there, and there are hundreds of them, as I said tonight, um, have found nothing larger than a phone book. When I took the call over, there was a soft-spoken, calm gentleman on the other end. He told me that there's three people that have taken over the flight. At that point, I asked him his name. He told me, Todd Beamer. He was from Cranberry, New Jersey. I wanted him to think that he still had a chance. I didn't want him to feel like it was just totally hopeless and he definitely didn't have a choice and he knew he was going to die. I didn't want him to have that feeling. I felt that he knew at that time because he had said, oh, Jesus, help us. And then he said, Lisa, would you recite the Lord's Prayer with me? And I knew that he knew at that time that it wasn't much left for him to do. They're all heroes in my eyes. They really are. They all pitched together and they did what they thought was the best thing to do at that time. And um, I feel that Todd played a great role in that because when he told the guys, are you ready? I assumed that they were waiting on his cue then they responded to him, and he said, okay, let's roll. The world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Live from the land that freedom forgot, you must listen to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it. Me here at Anthony in Virginia? I'm in Richmond, Virginia, 
at uh, actually I'm in Arlington, Virginia. I'm sorry, I'm at the NRA uh, board meetings, the uh, the fall board meetings right now, and I have a full slate. I had a range and development committee meetings yesterday, and I had the day before I don't remember, and today I had education and training, and uh, I'll tell you a lot of great people down here. Uh, a lot of people coming up to me like, what happened? You didn't get nominated uh, to the board. You know, you got two major awards this year. You're on three committees. And, uh, you know, we thought for sure you were going to get nominated to the board. And obviously I didn't. But I'm still running on petition. We've talked about this before. Yesterday, uh, Ammo Land, uh, I love those guys, uh, Freddie and Brian. They sent the mass email out and they posted on their website. I, I still need more petition signatures for you people out there. The website is Colandro for NRA.com, uh, and I have until September 20th. The petitions have to come back to me September 20th. They're on the Colandro for NRA website, and once I get them, I have until October 9th to get them to the secretary, and I need more signatures. And, again, you have to be a five-year member or a life member, a.k.a. a voting member of the NRA, uh, uh, to be able to vote for me on petition. After October 9th, if I find out I had enough petitions and I was accepted, then I'm going to be running on petition, not endorsed uh, by the NRA Board of Directors, and that's when I'm really going to need everybody's help for the next step. But first step is to get me uh, on so we can uh, do our thing here so I can keep fighting for everybody. I'm not going to stop fighting if I don't get the seat, but I feel I earned it and I deserve it, and I, I could be that vocal voice that everybody needs. So uh, it's been a fun-filled uh Three days so far. Uh, Dave Rosenthal and his uh, lovely wife, Lori, are down here. Everybody knows Rosie from CNJFO. Scott Bach is here uh, with his uh, wife, Susan. And, uh, you know, Dan Schmutter's down here. Uh, as soon as I finish taping this, I'll be going to the Civil Rights uh, Defense Fund committee meeting. I'm not on that committee, but I go down. And this is where uh, all of our guys, our lawyers and legal eagles go down and plead for money for cases. And the NRA distributes, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to uh, civil rights cases across the country. So it's important we have a voice down here. You know, Scott and Dan, they do a wonderful job. I had dinner last night with uh, David Koppel, and he's from the uh, Independence uh, Institute. He's published 17 books uh, regarding gun control and stuff. Dave Hardy is here, another brain, Steve Hoback, Alan Gora. The, all of these guys have, uh, you know, pled before the uh, U.S. Supreme Court for Heller and McDonald's uh, course uh, cases. And, you know, it's interesting. I was watching some of the Kavanaugh hearings, and, uh, you know, Diane Feinstein yesterday made it pretty clear that uh, she wants to ban all semi-automatic guns, rifles and handguns. And... Uh, and Kavanaugh had a foray with her back and forth saying, you know, uh, they're the most popular gun because most people own them. You know, they're not the most popular gun because they're an assault rifle, which we know is a misnomer. So, uh, you know, the attacks are going on and on and on. I don't know if you saw uh, Spartacus in the Senate hearings, but, you know, <laughs> Cory, was, Cory Booker said that he was had pretty his good. Spartacus moment, you know, the closet cake crusader from New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, he made a fool of himself, but again, he's appealing to his base. I posted a survey on Facebook and Twitter which female uh, Senate member was more hysterical at the Kavanaugh hearings, Kamala Harris or Cory Booker? 
<laughs> I love right, that. Right now, Cory Booker has about ninety-seven percent of the votes. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty unhinged. I, I, I love that Spartacus moment. That would that would require him to uh, reverse pretty much everything that uh, he did. Uh, he handed out documents that pretty much everybody was like, "Yeah, well, we already have these. They've been approved." Yeah. They were already cleared. The clearance yeah. was was cleared already, and uh, he just did it again for more political posturing yeah, and sure, grandstanding. Of course. Of course. So while I'm talking about Booker in New Jersey, let's talk about Pumpkinhead Menendez. You know, uh, Bob Hugan, H-U-G-I-N, he's a few points behind. And for all of you gun people out there, especially for New Jersey, people keep prodding and poking and asking me if uh, if Hugan is pro gun. He's just doing just like Christie. He's staying away from the gun issue, people. I discussed this last week. I'm going to say it again. Whatever Bob Hugan is, he will be 180-degree turnaround from Pumpkinhead Menendez. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather have a moderate Republican, a.k.a. Chris Christie. Does yeah. that ring a bell with anybody? Right. I'd rather have Bob Hugan as our senator than uh, Bob Menendez. Absolutely. So I think everybody uh, should... Uh, should heed my words and put their support behind Bob Hugan. Now, uh, I got a message through Facebook a few days ago from a Gun For Hire radio listener, and he asked me, he said, if I would stop belching on air for a few shows, he would get uh, more petition signatures for me. So I'm going to do it. Whoever that is, thank, thank you so much. Yes, that's, so I'm, I'm going to do it, and I'm not, I'm not going to belch. Uh, you know, I'm learning so much in these... Uh, in these meetings we are under so much attack and there is so much going on in this country and thank god that uh, a maverick like trump and the interior secretary azinke are in charge because i i found out yesterday that the u.s forest service and the bureau of land management all through the midwest and the southwest and the far west have been uh systematically finding ways to close ranges down wow. outdoor ranges wow. that are on you know that are on government lands, BLM yeah. and Forest Service lands, and the attacks have slowed down tremendously since uh, Zinke became Interior Secretary. Mm. So, and these are the fights, Sandy, we don't hear about. No, you know, exactly right. That, that are going on, but I they had lawyers from Arizona, New Mexico, and California speaking yesterday, and I can't talk about everything, obviously, but right, right. Uh, you'd be amazed. Uh, what happened under eight years of the Obama administration in trying to close and, in fact, closing some public ranges and shooting areas. You know, out west is different than us people on the east coast. You know, they just find a deserted road and uh, the people pull over and they start shooting. Mm -hmm. Right, because there's so much land. Right. Now, the biggest complaint, the biggest uh, thing the opposition is using against us is there's a twofold problem. There's a legitimate problem and an illegitimate problem. The legitimate problem is a lot of the shooters, when they're done shooting, they leave all their trash. That's not good. And that makes the environmentalists and the hikers and the bicyclists and all of that, that is an excuse for them to get the ranges shut down. So that one, a lot of shooters are guilty of. The one that shooters aren't guilty of is because a lot of these ranges are off the beaten path, a lot of people... Uh, practice illegal dumping in those range areas oh you know where the where the nra has gone to bat for a range in arizona and said listen it was none of our shooters that dumped 47 toilet bowls on the shooting range property right right. 
you know, uh, it, it could have been someone that shoots there and is a contractor or a plumber and said, wow, be a great, this is a great place to, you know, we'll go shoot and then we'll dump everything off if nobody's here. So it might be our problem as well. So it's a twofold problem. So uh, they're coming up with these ideas now where they, they have either concrete bollards or fences on the outset of these shooting areas. So you can only park on the shoulder and you have to walk into the shooting areas to shoot. And that's preventing illegal, illegal dumpers from driving in. Well, the land is so vast out there. I wonder how you, you know, I mean, so what's stopping them from just dumping right alongside of it? Or Co Correct, but, but there's a good chance you'll get caught if you're dumping alongside the road. You yeah, know? that's true. They like to pull right. down these narrow, you know, uh, driveways, so to speak, and then dump uh, their stuff off. So well, that's know. one problem that they're working on controlling. But the other problem, obviously, is, uh, you know, us gun people, we should be like, what's the old Boy Scout adage? Leave it cleaner than you found it. Right, right? exactly. Take take out what you what you brought in. And more, if yeah, possible. Right, exactly. I, and it's it's surprising, too, you know, because you think most of these people are, are outdoor or wildlife people. or And, and, and that see, has always been common practice amongst people who really go out in the outdoors. I know... I've always done that for you know my entire life. Correct, but but not everybody's like us. Yeah, you know, not everybody is like us. So this was an issue that was discussed at great lengths, and the NRA Institute for Legislative Action is on top of it with their lawyers. Uh, they're constantly uh, fighting, you know, uh, the Bureau of Land Management and the Forest Service, and uh, it's a constant battle. And again, these are the battles we don't hear about. And just like Scott Bach would say about a lot of our battles, a lot of these battles are kept a secret uh, because the uh, the NRA doesn't want the other states to get the same idea. Right, exactly. And this is another reason to have somebody on the inside here so we can at least hear some of this information. And So again, I would say we've only got 10 more days left. Get those petitions in. Yes. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000 pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? 
If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. The world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. And what better way to say I love you than giving the ones you love a gift to keep them safe? Lipstick Bodyguard. It looks just like a beautiful little lipstick, but just like a beautiful woman, it has the power to bring a grown man to his knees. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Just follow the link on the GunForHireRadio.com homepage. Listen to this and other episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and On Demand. And we're back. This segment is brought to you by Medallion Chiropractic. Dr. Medallion, I'm trying to get the business card up on YouTube, but, you know, I'm a little slow here. (laughs) But, my God, this is bad. This is bad. Medallion Chiropractic is conveniently located on 573 Valley Road in Wayne, New Jersey. His website is M-A-D-A-L-I-A-N, medallionchiropractic.com. Dr. Henry Medallion is a platinum member of the range, has his boys come to the range and shoot. He can help you. He can improve your shooting. He can get you on target better. He's helped me out as well. Uh, support those who support us. Go on his Facebook page. Uh, refer friends, friends and family if you want. He's literally six miles from the uh, Gun for Hire Woodland Park Range. So check out Medallion Chiropractic. The other reminder out there, in two weeks uh, is SafeCon, September 22nd, Saturday, from 9 to 5 at Cumberland County College in Vineland, New Jersey. The website is NJSAFE. C-O-N.net, njsafecon.net. John Willett and his wife Rachel are running that. It's the Second Amendment event in the state of New Jersey. I'll be there. Sandy will be there. Jimmy and Patty are going to have a booth set up. So I recommend everybody come out to SafeCon and show your support. We can learn from each other. We can help each other out. If you have a product or service that you want to showcase, please come on down uh, and uh, show your support. The week after, the week the week before, I will be in Richmond, Virginia, uh, at CarryGuard, NRACarryGuard.com. I'm teaching a marketing and public relations class for trainers. If you're an NRA instructor, training counselor, I'm doing a seminar on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Jimmy and Bob Prouse are doing seminars for three days. And uh, Charlie is doing the uh, non-resident carry permit program. So four of us will be in Richmond for three days solid which is also family weekend at Richmond University where Patty's daughter Michaela is going. So I'll be juggling between uh, post events back and forth there. Also, Sandy, our condolences. Uh, Bob Prouse's uh, dog, his uh, 11-year-old uh, pit gunner, uh, passed away. Yeah. He, was, uh, put, he was put down two days ago, and Bobby Prouse is really broken up uh, with that. We all know what that's like, when you, uh, that's like yeah. when you lose a loved one in the family. Uh so let me talk a little bit about uh, something else I found out. By the way, today's cigar is a uh, Davidoff Esicuro. was given to me by Dan Schmutter. And today's knife, you can't see, is a Brian Thai uh, titanium knife, by the way. But uh, I found something else out. Now, the ANJRPC is the State Association of New Jersey. 
we're basically like a chartered, sanctioned NRA association, right? Right. All 50 states have a state association. Only two states have ranges, uh, Illinois and New Jersey. You know, we have uh, Cherry Ridge. And uh, the other 48 states are just associations without ranges. Wow. Now, there's a ton of member clubs, like Gun for Hire Woodland Park Range. We're a member club of, of the NRA, but we're not the state association. So remember a few weeks ago on our show, I talked about how the governor of Oklahoma went back on his word and uh, canceled uh, the, the permitless carry bill? Yes. Vetoed it. Well, I got the intel. Here's what happened. Could we talk about divisiveness. Let's talk about this scenario. You are not going to believe it. The House and Senate, the Assembly and Senate in Oklahoma, passed a bill that said that we were going to allow permitless carry in Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma is one of those states that I think they have a, a bronco-busting cowboy on their license plate, right? Yeah, right. So the, the bill went to the governor's desk, and the governor, when the governor ran for the governorship, he promised that he was going to sign this bill if it got to his desk. A week before, the Oklahoma State Rifle and Pistol Association disagreed with permitless carry. Are you serious? Yes, and sent it to the governor, and the governor vetoed the bill. Oh, my God. What, what was the reason for this? They believe that people should have training and go through a permit process. Oh, that's great. The leaders of the state association. Now, do I believe that people should have training before they Abs- carry a gun? Absolutely. Yes. There's no question about it, but it should not be a part of your constitutional right. And we should not have the state association taking that stance. Right. I, I so, don't understand. And this is the sanctioned NRA state association. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. So so the governor vetoed it, and the bill didn't go through. And uh, the rank and file, uh, I understand from the, the state association, are very upset with the leadership of the association. So there's a lot of turmoil going on right now. NRA clubs and associations and the board is reaching out to them and they're figuring out what's going on. The ILA rep, you know, the NRA lobbyist rep and everything is involved. But what happened is, you know, we talk about this all the time. What happens in New Jersey doesn't stay in New That's Jersey. That's right. Absolutely right. Well, here's the deal. Moms Demand Action and Bloomberg and everything seized on this and said, look at this. The state association <laughs> agrees with us. Unbelievable. Well, it's it, it's inevitable, right? I mean, it's if it was orchestrated, the you know you Correct. would expect that here in in uh, New Jersey or in New York, but but it, it's like a cancer that spreads from state to state, and and if a, if a state like there has been a long time assault on free states like Oklahoma, Colorado, they've won over Colorado, and they're winning over Texas. If we lose Texas, we lose the country. Correct. So now someone else on the committee with me, Michael Ware from Iowa, he said that the Iowa Democrats are using the Oklahoma decision now to introduce permit carry in Iowa (laughs) because they have permitless carry. So it's funny, us people on the coast where all the elites are and all the repulsive socialists, we're worried. You know, because our stuff is going to spread to the center of this country. Now it's spreading from the center out. Yes, right, right. 
Yeah, you you know that the the forces that be, there there's so much going on right now that people can't really see, and and it, the whole world is upside down. It feels well, it's upside down on purpose. You know, we talked about this when we first started the show eight years ago, and the uh, entire movement of uh, of uh, uh, you know creating havoc uh, as as part of a uh, an overthrow. And this is nothing new. This happened in the 30s, uh, but now it's basically a playbook. We, you know, we talked about we we we've talked about this for eight years. Correct, correct. So for you people in the other states that always tell us to move, I talked about this before. Oklahoma is now not a gun-friendly state, right. and Iowa is becoming a non-gun-friendly state. And Colorado you know, already is. A non yes, you, you think about Texas, right? And you think, well, you have Houston, you have Austin, so you, Dallas, so you have a lot of liberal enclaves there. And you could expect that it's going to go from red to purple right. and with some blue pockets. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, I, I, Sheriff Jay Prince, board member here, he was telling me that Montana is the same way now. Oh. Yeah. So what's left? Wyoming? Where are we all going to go? You know, a lot of a lot of this uh, follows jobs too. You you have Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Montana. Uh, you know the uh, areas of Montana, North Dakota, where the oil explora- exploration is going. You've got wet peri- uh, parts of West Texas where they're paying right now one hundred thousand dollars a year in salary to unskilled laborers, anyone who yep. will just show up. So yep. you've got people flooding in from California, from New York, from wherever on the East Coast and in the Rust Belt where people can't get jobs because of the the, the socialist policies that have been in, in, enforced for decades. Uh, and now the jobs are gone and they're flooding down there for good work, but they're bringing their mindset with them. Correct. Correct. So it's really scary when you think about it, but Sheriff Prince was telling me how you know, all the cities in Montana now, all the uh, flower power liberals moved in, <laughs> and mostly from California. <laughs> yeah, of course, right. And they're bringing and their they're going because things. of the taxes, right? Aren't they? They're yes. going because there's zero taxes in Montana and no and sales tax. No sales tax. The property tax is basically non-existent. There's no personal income tax, and you've got. All of these super rich in California moving out because they've created, Correct. you know, it's like that guy you, you met when you were in Spain or, uh, or Portugal, right? Yeah, the school teacher. School teacher, yeah. You know, uh, the sheriff was telling me the, dem- the, the, the Montana governor right now is a Democrat and he's anti-gun. <laughs> it's like, How the hell it's did like that I, I said to him yesterday, we were outside smoking cigars. I'm like, Sheriff, I'm like, I expect that in New Jersey. You know, I'm, I'm so focused on my state and right. the New York metropolitan area. Right. Meanwhile, you're telling me that the rug is being pulled out from under us all across the country. Yeah. It's systematic. You can't. There's such a huge move towards socialism, and you cannot have an armed populace if with Marxist principles. And the Marxist principles uh, that have taken hold in this country over the past 20 years, you're seeing the result of it now, which is actually creating chaos. But this is by design. This is not, uh, you know, this is not something that was just happenstance that just happened a little while ago. Sure, social media escalated it, but uh, you're seeing 
uh, you're seeing the, the product of progressivism, true progressivism, which is purely Marxism in, in, its, in its roots. It's, it, we can't stop it. Obviously, we can't stop it until there's either an implosion or a revolution, right? Well, and they want, they want chaos and they want a revolution because that is in the playbook. Because if you can create chaos and you can cause the, the, the fractions that are inside, the, the, whole, the whole basis of this theory is to separate people into as many small clicky groups as possible and then focus in on the main uh, focus in on the, the, a main enemy. So yep. that's why we have 297 genders as of this morning or whatever. You know? <laughs> it, exactly. It's just to be able to get everybody together. Uh, and, 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 and I mean, look, look at Cynthia Nixon, who came out the other day and said, I am not, I'm not going to be the first lesbian governor. I am going to uh, be the first gay governor. Don't call me a lesbian. Call me gay. Uh, I'm confused. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? I'm just not sure. And and everybody wants to fraction and separate and separate and separate and sub-separate. And it and it looks like it's just utter chaos, but it's only the beginning of it. You know, Did you see she also said uh, with the socialized medicine, we'll pass it and then figure out how to pay for it later. <laughs> figure out how to pay for it later. When even the most liberal analysis of, uh, you know, this Medicare for all concept um, it would cost us four times the gross national product of the United States every single year just for that program. So I'm not really sure. And, and yeah. those of us who have seen what socialized medicine does, um, for the rest of you, it's not a real fun place. For many people walking into a range the first time, it's quite intimidating. So when you walk in through the double doors, the first thing you'll see on your left is a concierge. When people walk in, they can take a tour of the range, or maybe they're coming in for an appointment with one of my instructors or me, and they'll be directed to the right classroom. It kind of softens the entire experience. It makes people feel more at home. As you walk further into the range, you're going to notice we have New Jersey's only indoor 50-yard range, which is heated and air-conditioned. The dividers in each port are bulletproof. They're extra-wide ports so two people can stand side-by-side side and shoot. There's lights in the ports so you're well-lit. We also have three times as much light down range that the average range would have because I believe it's important that the targets are well-lit. Our target retrieval system is all digital. You program how many feet you want to send it out, and it stays there. Both of our ranges are tactically baffled, which means when we run our higher level courses, you can move forward to the firing line and shoot in any direction, and bullets can't escape. When you come out of the 50-yard range, to your left, you'll see our large classroom, and go back up to the concierge and make a right. We have two smaller classrooms. And those classrooms are for small one-on-one -on -one classes, our Build-A-Bear, building an AR. As you enter through there, you'll see that we have a uh, portal with a key to go into our Platinum Lounge. They can sit around and watch TV on the leather uh, chairs or couches, and they can maybe work deals with their uh, clients. And you normally don't see a cafe 
in an indoor range. In New Jersey, we have this archaic law where you're only supposed to go from your house to the range, range to the house with no unnecessary deviations. I'm seeing a lot more families coming in now where they have multiple kids and the wife will stay in the cafe with one or two kids and they'll do a handoff. To me, it's very important that people are treated like family. So the bathrooms are very high-end. We use marble and corian and really nice tile and full-length dividers so that people are comfortable when they come in. When you exit the bathroom, you'll see the Gun For Hire radio studio where Sandy and I tape our show. After you pass that and you make a left, you'll notice our retail area. Over 120 firearms for rent. As you turn 180 degrees, you see the large sections of bulletproof glass. That's our 25-yard range. And inside our 25-yard range, we have 13 ports. Those ports are even wider than the 50-yard range. Both ranges have full-time range safety officers. In case you have any questions or concerns, they're there to help you. With the news, events, and political shenanigans impacting your freedom, you're listening to Gun For Hire Radio, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. We're back. And this segment is brought to you by Gunsitters. Gunsitters.com. If you or someone you know needs to store their guns for a short period of time or a long period of time, check out Gunsitters.com. They're conveniently located on Route 10 West in Whippany in the Pine Plaza. They also have a location in Easton, Pennsylvania, one in Salisbury, Maryland, and they're opening one up in Hawaii. Oh. So check out gunsitters.com, please. I'm getting feedback on my phone. What do I have to do? I don't know. That's lousy. There's the ad for uh, SafeCon, by the way, for you people on, on the Internet. I wasn't getting this before. So are you getting it now? Let me hear. No, oh. now I'm not. What'd you do? Okay, nothing. It happens from not time to time. It, it'll have, it happens, I guess, in the... Uh, and the connection, it's, we have to blame Apple, maybe. So, I uh, I want to also plug the Cheeseman uh, Jiller case. Okay. GoFundMe.com forward slash restore dash carry dash NJ. We should be helping those guys out. Can you talk for a minute, Sandy? I'm chewing. <laughs> what are you chewing? My power bar. My power bar. All right, so we've only got 10 days to get this lunatic uh, more support to be uh, endorsed for the NRA. Well, we're not going to get him endorsed for the NRA. That ship has sailed. But what we yes. can do is get him on petition. And um, the, the, the important part about it, I think, is the fact that at least then we have a little bit uh, closer alliance with somebody on the inside who, who really knows what's going on. He may not be able to talk about it, but... Um, at least we do know ahead of time. But listen, two out of three ain't bad. I got Outstanding Trainer of the Year Award. Yes, absolutely. And I got Second Amendment Activist of the Year Award. I got one of these blue ribbons, Sandy, that says I tried. I tried. <laughs> so that's kind of good to have, no? That's good to have. You can hang that on the wall. Give it to Wynn. I can't. And uh, but I didn't get nominated by the board. No, and so when uh, we found out that somebody, well, just it slipped their mind. Things happen. Yeah. But you know what? 
I'm not going to stop fighting. No. I bleed NRA. I bleed the Second Amendment. I bleed civil rights. So I'm going to continue to fight for our rights, whether I get on the board or not. I'm a perfect fit for the board. I'm 40 years younger than the average board member. Damn, I'm going to get shit for that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Hey, you want to talk about new demographics? I've been spending the past three days with uh, Carrie Lightfoot and her husband, Brian. Carrie, four years ago, started the organization Well-Armed Women. I think your air conditioner is on. Why, you can hear it? Oh, sounds like a freight train. Good, I like it. Good. No. (laughs) Listeners are going to love it. (laughs) So, Well-Armed Women, she started this four years ago, and she has 400 chapters across the country. Wow. And uh, she was elected to the board last year. And uh, she's been a pleasure to talk to. I told her about my, uh, you know, uh, my run and how our, my range is so diverse. And uh, she found that, excuse me, uh, wow. Uh, she found out, you know, she, she did her due diligence on me and we had a couple of long talks and stuff. And I'll, I'll tell you what, it, it was encouraging. She's doing her part, just like Sherry and Sandra Muldoon do with the SOAR group. Yeah. yeah. She's doing it well. Uh, I also met with Julie Golub, who's a new board member, who's a competitive shooter. Very, very nice person uh, as well. So uh, a, a lot of good handshaking, a lot of good uh, contacts here to help us out in our Second Amendment fight. I tend to hang out with the lawyers and lobbyists, though. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think they, they're, they're kind of cued into what's going on. Oh, without a doubt. I'm sorry. I just I just read a uh, a nasty email from Matt. Oh, yeah, these things happen. So let's talk. Let's talk more. Maybe they can happen off the air. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget, Masad Ayub is coming to Gun for Hire October fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh for Mag Twenty. Yes. You don't want to miss Masad Ayub. Go no. on to the Gun for Hire website. Sign up for my master. You definitely want to hang out with Masad if you get a chance. Absolutely. So Sandy, let me ask you a question. What do you think about this leaker from the White House, which is New York Times op-ed page? Well, you know, it's kind of weird. It, all the things that are going on right now, you think Trump would would, would just stop giving everybody ammunition, you know. Uh, I, I don't follow much of this stuff uh, too closely. It's just like with the Woodward book. He's got a perfect opportunity to turn it inside out, but instead he just uses his gut, which is typically always wrong, and comes out and and hammers it. And oh, this is all bullshit. No, it's not. It's Bob Woodward. So, but he does have the perfect opportunity. Think about this: this guy Woodward, who everybody hails as the greatest uh, investigative reporter in the history of mankind has done an extensive, exhaustive research of the Trump administration, and yet, in all these 400-some pages of book, um, has not found anything that has been, uh, derog- has been you know, supporting any of the claims being made uh, about uh, Russia and the collusion and all this other shit, which he could have come out and just simply said, um, hey, look, uh, this is um, this is all BS, and Bob Woodward just proved it for me. But wait a minute, are you coming out in support of Trump just now? 
Uh, no, I'm saying that. <laughs> I'm saying don't make put me in a position to defend Donald Trump, but he. I, I did. Yes. <laughs> no, actually, the world does. I just get so sick and tired of watching this crap over and over, and I think so many people do. That I'm uh, tired of it. It's it's just I mean you watch it's just a constant hammering on CNN a constant constant hammering and they don't the mainstream press doesn't really realize how badly they're tanking how badly they're shooting themselves in the foot and how irrelevant they have become Their ratings keep going further and further down and they just keep doubling down of course, that's all they know how to do. It's a, it's a it's a personal vendetta. It they really. You know, I, I talked about this months ago, and I'm going to say it again. For 68 years, Donald J. Trump was and once he became president, he would have been a moderate Republican president. But every time the left and the press attacked him, he goes further right. Absolutely, he was a, he was the liberals' best friend. He has yes. always, always, always been a liberal Democrat his entire life. Was raised as a liberal Democrat. His kids are liberal Democrats. He just ran as a Republican because he just wanted to put an R after his name. He's if Pelosi and Schumer had played their cards right, exactly, though, they would have won him over. Exactly. I mean, he would. You know, which I don't know. You know, would have been worse. I think that would have been worse. But I think so too. You know, it's just that the you know that the country is just so polarized right now, and pe people are just addicted to screaming and yelling on social media, and and it's just I I have completely tuned out of social media. I haven't. Yeah, I, I've completely tuned out. It's it's a toilet, and and I you know the it just it's it it disgusts me. It disgusts me as well. What I find funny is, why is it always the people on the left that I can't post anything poignant and then right away there's a personal attack? Right. Right. Because they're just, they're sitting there waiting to be pissed off. And, and, and unfortunately, that, seems, that is the way of the world and we're playing right into the playbook by, by even fractioning off ourselves. There are people who I know who don't talk to members of their family anymore because of how they voted in an election. You've got to be kidding me. If one person was so important to the running of a country, this would not be a representative republic. It would be a dictatorship. And, and no one person can really impact the country. There is a deep state that is so deep uh, in the United States and in every country, but in the United States, and it's been there for decades and decades. It is the thing that runs in the country, not the president or the Congress or the Senate. All right, but let's, let's talk about something positive, though. With Trump in office, he keeps appointing lower court judges, and he, now Brett Kavanaugh is going to get... Uh, appointed the Supreme Court and it's been since 2010 since we've had a Second Amendment case go before the Supreme right so if Trump doesn't do anything else I'm happy yeah exactly yeah sure absolutely you know things are moving forward they could be moving a lot 
more forward if you had if you did not have a Congress that was completely out of step with reality. But again, you're talking about the deep state. They don't want to see anything change because their pockets uh, would be lessened as a result Congress, of that. Congress approval is 14 percent. Right. Right. And it's for a reason. And they don't care because, you see, we the sheeple walk into a, a voting booth and still pull the lever for whether it's a whatever our team jersey is, whether it's blue or red or whatever. And, and the vast majority of people don't even think or learn about elections or learn about issues or learn about how people vote. And most of them don't care. And they just go in and like a bunch of droids and pull a handle. You know, it's just just been the way it has been. Yeah, it's uh, it's disheartening, but but now with Kavanaugh on the bench, I'm not my first finger that one of our states is going to get a concealed carry case to the Supreme. Yeah, and if they, yeah, that's the whole thing. Is it, it it may make itself there, but it's you know, is it going to? Um, you know, is it going to, is it going to make it to the, are they going to even hear the case? You know, it may make it there, but are, are they even going to accept it? Or I think it, we're right for a case. Or do they turn it back? Time and memories. The two most precious things you can give someone. No cell phones, no video games, no electronic devices, no interruptions. Just your favorite gun, a couple boxes of ammo, and time spent together. The folks at Gun For Hire Woodland Park Range believe there's no time like the present, and no present like time. Step through their doors, and you'll feel time stand still. It may look like a luxury shooting range, but what they really sell is the perfect day. And perfect memories are made from perfect days. Gun for Hire Woodland Park Range, where family memories begin. They said it wouldn't last. That was just wishful thinking. Gun for Hire Radio. The most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Seven years running. And we're back. Let me hear it now. Uh, it's still there. I'm sorry for the feedback, people. For you people out there, County Line Firearms, County Line Firearms. Uh, it's now County Line Customs. It's on Route 10 West in East Hanover. Stop by and see Carlos. Support those who support us. Also, uh, Remember, my rants are on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and, of course, we have Gun For Hire Radio it's on YouTube. It's better now, Sandy. It's still there, but it's better. You're still pissing me off. Okay. Let's, let's talk about September 11th. It's been 17 years. How many people remember? How many people even care? Yeah, I don't... Don't get me going on that. You know, uh, it's been a long time. 4,000 people, many people died of cancer and 
Many hearts were broken in this country. We did have solidarity for a few weeks in this country. Yeah, about that. But those days are over. Now we're back to hating each other. So everybody say a little prayer and give your thoughts for September 11th and everyone that died. And let's hope it never happens again. So another thing thing I learned at this uh, annual meeting, I've talked about the Pittman-Robinson Act on the radio show before. Mm -hmm. And basically it it was enacted in 1937, the Pittman-Robinson Act, and it was to take a percentage of tax or sales and use it to, uh, you know, keep the the game lands, like a tax, like when you buy a uh, hunting or a fishing license. Right. It was an excise tax. And this money was to go to, go to implementation to restock white-tailed deer, ducks, turkey, et cetera, et cetera. Now, it's an 11% tax on firearms and ammunition. So the NRA has been fighting to try to get some of this money to build and restore ranges throughout the country. But the problem is a lot of the states are using it in their general fund. And they're using it to restore green initiatives by hikers and campers. Wow. So the money that's being raised is coming from gun and firearm sales. And most of the people detest guns and firearms and ammunition. Mm. And they're reaping the benefits. Yes, exactly. Right. Because there's there's less and less hunters, right? Correct. By the way, it's an 11% tax on archery equipment. 11%? And 10%, 10% tax on guns and ammo, 11% on archery equipment. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep. And it's, it started in 1937 under Roosevelt, your favorite Roosevelt. My favorite Roosevelt, yeah. Well, they're both yeah. pretty much the same in my book. Correct. Here's the problem. When Pittman-Robinson was enacted, everybody had brown rifles and bows and arrows, and they were out hunting, and that 10 and 11% excise tax went back to game lands and preservation, right? Right. Now, probably 95% of the taxes that Pittman Robinson get is from handguns and black rifles. Yes. And the NRA is trying to take some of that money to use to rebuild and build new ranges, and they're getting pushback from the states that get the money back from the federal government, who, again, like I said, they put it in their general fund, and they'll rebuild a hiking trail. Right, right. So we're screwed six ways from Sunday and back again. Right. It's always going to be like that. It's it's the agenda that they've had for a long time. They really don't care. And unfortunately, those of us on this side uh, who do care about the Second Amendment, who do, do care about you know even outdoor shooting sports and that sort of thing, we pretty much remain silent. We, we, we've we've bent over and let them have their way. So we see it all the time here in Jersey where it's the same. We've talked about it on air, off air all the time. It's the same 400 people who show up. Out of 300. Three, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, being, I was being very gracious. I know. A million gun owners in the state of New Jersey and 300 people represent them? That's why the legislators look at us and laugh. They know that it doesn't really matter. They can be as anti-gun and feed their base as much as possible, feed them with propaganda, vote on issues they don't even know, and nothing, nothing is going to happen. You know, uh, this is the Democrats' own fault because they, they got so embroiled in identity politics 
that they're pushed everybody so far to the left that only the left radicals are having a voice now with their base. Yes, exactly. And and a lot of and unfortunately it's working because the Democrat voter 45 and under um, has been uh, raised in, in now in the past 20 years to expect more free stuff from the government. And that's what they want. And they want the government to give things to them. The Democrat voters above 45 kind of just go along with the flow because what are, what are they going to do? Vote for the Republicans? The Republicans are bashed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's classic propagandist by, Absolutely. from Goebbels, right? Absolutely. Blame, blame yes. your enemy for what you are doing. Yes, exactly. You, you know, I mean, the eugenics movement started here in the United States. A lot of people don't realize that. But the eugenics movement started here in the United States under progressives in our government and then bled itself over to Germany where it was used in the Holocaust. That started here. So, you know, the oldest millennial is 37 years old now. Yeah, that's... Uh, do, do, do we know what his or her name is or its name? Would no, they? it's one of the 79 genders. Uh, okay. I would imagine. 37, so, huh? yeah. What? 37, did you say? 37. Yeah. I just read it in the Wall Street Journal. The oldest millennial is 37. You know, more, more socialism. The, the next thing Phil Murphy's going to do is he's going to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Yeah, and then you're going to see a collapse. But again, he doesn't care because he's not from New Jersey. We, we voted in a guy who bought a house in New Jersey so he could run as governor. He had never been to New Jersey before. Carpet bagger. It's unbelievable. But we voted for him. One more brick in the wall of our society is apart. Very true. Very true. Well, we're coming up on uh, about a minute before we start to close the show. So what else is going on down there? We're over? Well, we're going to be over in about a minute. This is the last segment? Yes, sir. All right, so remember, for NRA.com. Correct. And uh, a ton of classes going on. That's it. I'm out. That's it. Calandro for NRA.com, and you're out. Calandro for NRA.com. I got two more weeks to get petitions in. Get my petitions in. Ten days, actually. Well, alrighty then, it looks like you've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun For Hire Radio. Gun For Hire Radio is a counterfeit media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. I'm Sandy Barani. On behalf of my co-host, Master Trainer, Anthony Calandro, and the rest of the crew of Gun For Hire Radio, we do thank you so much for listening. Please tune in again next week, share this episode, let somebody know about the show and have a listen. We love you guys. Winston's not here this week, so I can't bark for you. But see you guys again next week. From sea to the shine.